If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Oh, I got to tell you about my subway experience. Your subway experience? Like subway sandwiches or mm-hmm. subway like Sub- underground train? No. Subway. I mean, we're in Alabama, so. <laughs> well, I didn't know this was a recent experience. <laughs> no, yesterday. So I have the emails that I signed up for that connects to Walmart mm-hmm. stuff. So I have like stuff to make things. Mm-hmm. But my kitchen is in disarray and nothing's washed. And I would have had to like spend 30 minutes like washing everything in order to be able to use it. Mm-hmm. And I was so tired last night. So I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to go get Subways, which is normally it's great because mm-hmm. Subways is probably like the cheapest meal that we get around here. And like the healthiest. And the healthiest. Right. So it's like a win-win situation. And we've never had problems with Subways. <laughs> Uh-oh. Ever. So, uh oh, <laughs> I'm so scared now. So it's like 10 till five. I know that it's peak time. I drive to subways. I get out. There's probably six people in front of me. So it was a line. So mm-hmm. I was, I was prepared to wait and I was okay waiting. Okay. It's weird that that's peak time. Yeah. Like it's because people like get their kids and then do stuff and then they grab oh, they get subway and they never intend to leave. Yeah. yeah. They get off at five and they run by subways on the way home. And, um, and plus we got students back. So there's several students in the line too. <clears throat> and so I'm sitting there in line, finally make it. And there's three people working behind the counter, which is nice. Cause usually it's only two. Mm-hmm. And, um, so the first guy, like I get my order and it's like, he's never cut bread before. <laughs> Like seriously, I was help. I was like holding the knife upside down. Like why is it helping him? Like make the cuts on the bread, and that took forever. I'm like, you know, he's new. It's five o'clock. There's a ton of people. I'm just gonna give the dude a break, okay? Mm -hmm. So he was fine. So then, you know, we get it toasted, and they pull it out, and then you know, ask what veggies want on it. Well, this girl who's doing this. Is coughing her <gasps> lungs up. No, and she's like, oh, no, no, no. no. She's like, oh, this is, uh, you know, she's like, my darn allergies, and she's like, <coughs> and oh like, my god, girl. No. I was like, that's bronchitis. It was such like clearly bronchitis because of the deep, oh uh, just my height. god, and so, and. And she was luckily like the first one, which is my son's. I was like, just that's fine, but that's fine. And then they worked on Chad's, and she couldn't get started on my husband's uh, because she was in a coughing fit. Holy shit! And so she went to the back to finish coughing. And there's, it's already been like ten minutes between bread cut guy <laughs> and me, like trying to get like stuff on my sandwiches. So the quote unquote manager or whoever was like leading their little group. Uh, went and like washed his hands, then walked the way over there, got his gloves, 
then came back, put his gloves on, turned around and like put a couple of sandwiches to toast. And I'm like, fuck me, dude. <laughs> Just put some lettuce on my goddamn sub. <laughs> um, finally got around. He finished, he finished Chad's and then he started to work on mine. And uh, took a dirty knife that had, that had mustard on it after they finished mine and, like, did it, like, you know how they fold it and then they do it like that? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to throw it. He took somebody else's dirty he knife took the and dirty put it on knife your sandwich that, to that, clean it. Right, to clean, uh, to yeah, to, like, oh fold it God. over. And then it flipped off of the counter. He called it, looked at it. Tried to like throw it away in the trash thing, looked at it and then pulled it out and asked me what else did I want. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh my God. I was like, I am not eating that. And it like, did you say that? Yeah. Good. I was was like, I obviously, I do not want that now. And he like sat there for like, Five minutes, it seemed like, while he was trying to process, like, what to do next. And then he's like, we could get you. I was like, no. I was like, no. I, I was like, I was there 45 minutes. Are you kidding me? No. I got out of there at 45 minutes, minus one sandwich. And I, he never said, I'm sorry. He never offered to, like, throw anything free in. I mean... It was nothing. Wow. And I was just like, I, I'm like, probably this close to maybe sending an email to corporate or something. You it might want to. I mean, so bad. That's serious health issues. Yeah. Though, too. I mean, all of them. Right. The bronchitis and not. Oh, like, my God. Because I don't want to go there now. Yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely I've not. I've never. I've never. That's the reason that we always crutch on subways is yeah. because it's always fast, easy. It's clean. Every time we've, you know, for mm-hmm. the most part, it's been clean. Haven't had any problems whatsoever. But those were new people. I don't, I didn't recognize them. So weird. So oh I was God. so pissed off. So I, I texted Chad. I was like, I got y'alls. And of course, I didn't mention like she, she didn't cough on them, but she coughed near them. And I was just like crossing my fingers. Probably a horrible person. That's one of those <laughs> weird things. <laughs> I was always surprised that, I mean, they do keep several of the things covered, I guess, mm-hmm. except when they're busy, they don't. Right. And there's never a screen. Like, there's a mm-hmm. screen from, like, you know, guests, mm-hmm. but there's never a screen. Right. For the people who work there. So I just fucking went through Wendy's and got like a hamburger and fries and a Coke, like completely opposite of the healthy eating. I was because I was just so worn down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was just like, I need emotional food. You're like, I deserve all the things. I deserve a break today. Yes. Isn't that someone's, whose thing is, I deserve a break today? (laughs) It's McDonald's, but I went to Wendy's. So I got my break at Wendy's and I was, I was like literally took me less than three minutes to order pay and get my burger and Mm -hmm. get out and they were nice to me and they said thank you and hopefully they didn't cough all over and i i had my ear out for coughing or (laughs) bronchitis or somebody with the flu or whatever oh my god oh my god so that that was last night and i just i just like shoved that burger in my face what a mess it was a mess and then i came home and made brownies it was just it just did not you have brownies it didn't yes it did not go well (laughs) we may have a couple 
had brownie for breakfast, so you can see how my diet's been going. Mm. Downhill. Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Well, you know, I think it kept me from killing somebody, so. And that's really, in the end, the most <laughs> valuable. <laughs> You've made good choices. Made, do you see? That's do you right. see how that works? It actually was a good choice. It's good choices for everyone. Right. Well, right now we're drinking a Bramble, which I've never had or made before. So it was a pretty big crapshoot because we just sat there mm. last night. And we're like, what are we going to make? And I was like, I don't know. We've got a lot of liquor. Right. I was like, we could figure something else. No, that was also, it's called Bramble. It's called a Bramble. That's why I chose it because it's supposed to have blackberry liqueur in it. Mm. I didn't have blackberry liqueur, but I have raspberry liqueur. I have Chambord. And I have a big thing of it that I think Courtney, yes, no, Courtney got it for me mm-hmm. for either my birthday or Christmas last year mm-hmm. because I really like it, but you have to put it in the right stuff. Right. And I just haven't been making that many cocktails. And so it's just this massive bottle of really nice stuff that I'm not using. So I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, this will be good. And it is. It, it works it, really well. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it's delicious. It goes really fast. So be warned. Like, yeah, this is, we're going to have to. But yeah, it's just gin, Chambord, simple syrup, and lemon juice. Mm, it is so good. It's good. So good. So I decided, because it's been kind of a challenging week, uh, to start drinking early. <laughs> oh. uh, I was a morning drinker. I'm not proud of it, but nah. it's fine. It's fine. And, yeah. And so I knew that we were having a gin-based drink. And because I don't drink a lot, I'm like, can I drink gin and whiskey? Is that go okay? And so I, I, I looked it up and did a little research and learned, like, you know, with the clear, like, gin and vodkas. Uh, it, and there was something else. I can't remember what else they said. Rum? No, no rum's, rum's not clear. Rum's not friendly. It can be. Oh, it can be. Yeah, but it was. It was. It was this group, and they were like, "These are the ones that are less likely to give you hangovers mm-hmm. compared to the uh, bourbons and whiskeys and rums and stuff, which is more like oh, and tequila. Tequila. Tequila was in the which clear. Is odd. Was in the clear um, section, and they were like, it has something that doesn't affect you as much as like you know the darker. Uh, liquors and red wine obviously red wine gives me is a bitch yeah yeah horrible (laughs) headache i mean i'll get a headache from red wine before i even stop drinking it which is i mean i like red wine but i cannot drink it i have too much of a reaction to it i used to drink it all the time and then i just kind of stopped and i bought a couple bottles last week because there was a sale for mm. what was it dark horse merlot was two dollars and i don't know if it was a mistake or a clearance but we I think between me and Courtney, we bought like five bottles of it. Right. <laughs> so, but I had, I used to not be able to just drink one glass of it as part of the issue. Right. You know, it's like if I was sitting at home by myself, I would drink at least half a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. So, but um, like it makes my stomach hurt now. Yeah. And that's, so, that's another thing they said, like it can be a stomach irritant. Um, you know, the Bible said it would be good for the stomach. I think <laughs> we need to question everything we've ever believed. Well, we need to like have... Obviously, we're not doing it right if it's like upsetting the stomach and the Bible version didn't upset the stomach. So maybe they produced mm. it a different way or maybe they used something that was a little bit easier on the stomach. So those little, uncured goat skins they kept it in or it whatever. Could, it could be. Like, maybe it added like probiotics to mm-hmm. it or something, right? But I looked up, you know, you always like it's wine. It's like liquor beer. before wine, feeling fine. Right. Or beer before wine. 
it's beer See, before just, liquor, never sicker, yeah. or something like that. So yeah, I always forget the saying deal. And so I looked up like stuff you should not mix. Mm-hmm. And here is my seven list of things that you should not mix. Ooh. Red wine and vodka. Oh, guilty. Okay. Um, and it has red wine first and then vodka. You listening, box fan Chad? <laughs> 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 then um, what is it? The anise and anise drink and the mint liqueur. So, Ew, why would anyone do I that? Oh my Obviously, god, that's disgusting. That is, yeah, uh, a spice drink in mint. No. Oh god, no. And then beer and then vodka. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> it says beer and cigarettes and no food. Oh, well, yeah. And then it says beer and tequila. God, but that's like a chaser, though. I've learned the hard way on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then red wine and no food. Mm, yeah. And then beer and then wine. Does not, oh, it says beer and then wine. And if you decide to leave out the liquor for the night, this does not automatically spare you the hangover. You know, well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the little list I found. You know, it sounds to me like almost all liquors are safe, <laughs> judging by this list. Yes. Well, it, it sounds like beer and then going for the hard liquor. Yeah. It's just not a, a good no, choice. It's just a no no. Beer yeah. before liquor, never sicker. So yeah. that's the thing, which makes sense by the time, you know, because beer, you're, you're slower drinking beer. Mm hmm. And then by the time you've got the buzz on and you want to switch to hard liquor, then you're already making poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the slinging back of the liquor just compounds the poor choices. Mm. And you've already got like that stomach. It's, it's just bad. It's just it's volatile. Just yes. It, it is volatile. And, and, and again, I'm sure many of y'all, as I can attest to how volatile it could be. <laughs> I'm glad that you read that list because that's one of those many rhymes that it's like, this is the most helpful rhyme ever if I could if remember could the remember word that doesn't rhyme. Order, you know, like, right? is it beer before liquor or wine before liquor or do they both fit? Or it's like that and the coral snake, king snake. There's a red <laughs> and yellow. Kill a fella. And that's right? the thing is I was like, I don't. Red and black, lucky jack. So what it what? ends up coming to is me just saying, I know a rhyme about that. And like, that's how it is. Let's like, just not fuck with I've it. I've learned nothing. <laughs> No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Well, let's see. What have we got? We've got. Um, but this, di- I mean, this dish. This dish is this amazing. Cocktail is amazing. And we get to eat the drunk blackberries out the bottom. Yes. God, I'm going to have to redo like shortly. Uh, what do we got? We got. Um, oh, Heather. We got our first <gasps> mail. Oh, well, actually, no, it wasn't our mail. first mail. It was our second mail. But our first surprise mail. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Heather, let me just tell you. Any live event that we have in the future that you decide to come to, it is on us. We will pay for you to come in. So, Heather, you're Heather, amazing. Yes, lifetime free event for the Strange South. Everybody's like, what did she do? <laughs> what did she send you? And I haven't posted, I meant actually to post it. I mean, I know we're doing this ahead of time. So, this will be like next week, the first. Uh, Friday. Oh, that gives us time. We'll, yeah. we'll post it. We'll post it. <laughs> yeah. But we've kind of been sitting on it because I haven't like had a chance to just sit down with Morlea so that we could open it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to open up our first surprise mail together and we videoed it. But it 
is just the cutest little cross stitch of the skull and crow uh, logo that I did for Strange South. And it is it's so cool. Adorable. I absolutely love it. We I hung it up. So it's right above our Birmingham. Oh my god, it's so cool. <laughs> a Birmingham Oddities uh poster. And it is just it's the best. It's, it it is. It was like of all the things that you could choose like right? if you could choose to get the coolest mail for your first unexpected mail drop, this right? would be the thing. It was yeah, it was perfect. I like I we like screamed when yeah. we opened up the package. It, it was it was <laughs> the like absolute best and that crow has so much personality and the little blackberries i mean everything in it is perfect yeah i love it, it. is we thank love you it so much thank you so much heather. heather is amazing she is um so yeah that was oh i get so happy when i talk about I know. it i like i almost <laughs> teared up a little bit i was like oh my god um, oh. it's because Heather, we met Heather in Nashville. We did. And it was, she came to our live show and then she texted us after and she was like, I liked your show. I just, I'm not like super outgoing. And so right? I kind of like went off in the crowd. And so then we were like, well, make sure we see you later. Mm-hmm. And we ended up like grabbing her when we walked by in the hallway mm-hmm. and uncomfortably hugging her. Mm-hmm. And, and she ended up being super cool and she was really fun. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah, we yeah. love Heather. We do love Heather. All right, now the Heather Fest is over. <laughs> for Anything now. else? Yes. Uh, Heather Fest forever. Heather Fest! Um, <laughs> September 20th. Yes! Oh, yeah. We have um, our first, it's not our first local live show, but it's our first in our town local live show. Right. Um, because we've been at the Peerless Naniston before, and now we are going to be at the Stone Center at Jacksonville State University campus. On September 20th. So exciting. And it is going to be fun. We've been plotting and scheming mm-hmm. extra stuff that we can do. And right. um, a, an event has gone out, I believe, already on Facebook right. from the JSU Drama Department. And this will be a fundraiser for them also. Right. So half of our ticket sales are going to support JSU Drama. You! Because Woo-hoo! they have done a, an amazing job supporting us since oh, we started. Oh, yes. They, Yeah. So, so much. And we love them all. We do. And so, yeah, we're going to be there. It's going to be a blast. Um, we are going to be doing something around kind of campfire stories and creepy stories right. that people have heard in the past. And so if you have anything in your head that you might want to contribute to some of this, just kind of keep it in your head and you may have a chance to, you know. Right. Yeah, we're going to have an us. open mic. Um after the show. Yes. And we already know at least one listener lore that's coming. Right. So it'll be, and it is about the place that we're going to be in. So that is going to be super cool. Yes. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, we've had a, a like, so we have that. And then, of course, we have our Halloween show that's going to be in Montgomery, Alabama mm-hmm. at the Goat uh, House. Mm-hmm. And again, go to the website if you want any more information on that or if you have questions you can always email us at stories at the strange south yeah and definitely man hit us up because we're really looking forward to meeting you we wouldn't meet cool people like heather oh i know if we didn't do fun shows like this so yay and yeah and then possibly something else coming up that i'm not going to talk too much about between uh like after that Mm -hmm. so things are kind of just falling in our lap which is the favorite way things fall yeah no kidding yeah things that fall in our lap are the things that happen (laughs) the things that happen (laughs) the things that we'll do like if we plan anything then it's just yeah no 
<laughs> so yay we look forward to seeing you guys soon mm-hmm. i guess we should get to it do we have more stuff um no that's all i had okay i'm gonna apologize in advance because i went out and trimmed all my bushes yesterday and i am sneezing like a motherfucker mm. um so if you've not noticed i've been like snorking stupidly <laughs> over here into the microphone i'm gonna try and keep it to a minimum but you can Complain to nature if you want to. Right. I'm doing the best I can. Complain to nature. (laughs) Um, So today. Today. Who? 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 I'm first, I think. (gasps) Oh, yay. Wait, because last week was. Oh, yeah. Yes. You were first last week. Right. I had Wooster. Yazoo. Yazoo. No, that's right. Yazoo. I had Yazoo. Yazoo. That was okay. Yes. And I had Polk County. So. I think I was second last week. Yeah, you were because we ended up with the song. (laughs) It's funny because we're we're talking about this, but we haven't actually gone live with it yet. So (laughs) I'm still like, oh, it's a secret. (laughs) Um, So I went back to Florida this week. I I had a good friend of mine who uh, sent me some ideas right near the beginning of the podcast. And this is one of the ideas that she sent me. And I've... I've looked it up immediately and I've just been kind of waiting and is it Hogzilla? It's not <laughs> Hogzilla. <laughs> you can do Hogzilla. Mm. God, now it's going to be such a letdown because it's not Hogzilla. <laughs> I am talking about Casadega, Florida, the psychic capital of the world. Okay. I lived in Orlando for three years and had no idea this existed. Mm-hmm. So trivia. Tom Petty did a song called Casadega that was supposedly about this place. And in the introduction to a live 1978 performance of it, um, which I guess you can find on YouTube if you look. I didn't even look. Um, He told the audience that it was about, quote, this town in Florida that has 35 acres of weird people. So that's what Casadega is. Oh, wow. Um, Florida. What is it about Florida? You know, it's weird that like we talk regularly. I don't know if we do it like on the air, but I always get with Patrice and I'm like, Virginia stories. And she's like, Virginia's not the South. And I'm like, I, some of it is the South. <laughs> but if anything is different, uh, it's Florida. It is Florida. But you can't argue that it's not the South. I right? mean, it is as South as you get. It is. Geographically. Geographically and... It is its own universe. It is totally its own universe. So yes, it is. It's like everything that comes out of Florida is just this weird ass shit. Yeah. Um. So um. (laughs) Anna Hyder, who wrote for Road Trippers about this, described Casadega as Mayberry meets Salem. Um, it started in the late 1800s as a place for spiritualists from the Northeast to go during the cold months because Florida is for snowbirds. Okay. What were you going to ask me? You look like you had a question. I'm just like, why? (laughs) Because it's fucking cold in the Northeast. I know that. I mean, but why this particular spot? Oh, I will explain to you why. thank you. I have a detailed story about it. Ooh, excellent. I'll shut up then. (laughs) There were were like a shit ton of spiritualists in the Northeast at the time. Um, So a lot of people, this is going back a little bit. We're backing off from our story. We're doing a little bit of historical background. Mm -hmm. A lot of people attribute the popularity of what they called modern spirit, spiritualism, spirits, to the Fox sisters, Maggie and Kate and Leia. 
or Leah. I don't know. Right. It's pronounced Leah for me. Everybody else says Leah. I don't know. Anyway, Maggie and Kate lived with their mom on a farm in like 1840s in Hydesville, New York. And this was in part of what they called the burned over district of New York, which randomly. So take a pause. Okay. Courtney, box fan Chad, and I, and whoever else we, you know, can rope into it, have started doing this thing called brunch church, <laughs> because if we don't go do religious <laughs> shit on Sundays, we go to one of our houses and watch a video about some weird cult or or some weird religious phenomena that we don't understand or, you know, whatever, and eat brunch and drink mimosas and talk about it. And so this is the way that we don't go to church sometimes. Um and last week, we actually decided that none of us knew very much about Mormonism. And so we were going to watch the PBS special called The Mormons. And it talked about this New York burned over district. Oh, so when I was doing research okay. for this, I was like, how the hell does this show up twice in one week? Right. I think someone is leading me. Okay. Um, so anyway, the, um, <clears throat> the reason that it showed up is because um, Joseph Smith, who founded Mormonism, was from that area. And there were a lot of like what they call lay founded religions that, um, and reform movements that were from the burned over district. They called it burned over as like some idea of like the spiritual fires had just gone completely wild and rampant in this area. And there were all kinds of different movements that were springing up that had a whole lot of energy. And that's just a really fucked up name though. Yeah, I know the burned over just, it sounds dead. It sounds dead and maimed. I know it's so weird. Yes. <laughs> but that's what they there's called no, it. There's no energy, but like I mean, if I know. it's a spiritual awakening, it should be like, you know, I don't know. Something about the flame instead of the flame result. Flame of like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the I'm sword wondering fire flame, of <laughs> the burning, burning fire, flame, the burning of sword of New York. Not like burnt toast. I know it does sound like burnt toast. Yes. I wonder if it was maybe it was coined by someone who was really sick of people like knocking on his door with a pamphlet. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I'm burned over, y'all. Seriously, y'all just stop it. Because <laughs> because the number of different groups that came from this. I mean, it was like the Millerites, the Mormons, the Millerites became. Adventist, which became Seventh Day Adventists. The there were um, there was a historical connection to the Jehovah's Witnesses from there. Like most of the U.S. based, like Christian like related religions, came from some some connection to this area, and they they were just I guess because of their fire, maybe everybody around them felt a little burned. <laughs> but um, oh my gosh, yeah. But there was also like the Oneida community. Which I was like, I know that name. Why do I know that name? It was a utopian society, like a communal society that practiced free love and communal living. But they eventually just dissolved and became the silverware company. <laughs> Oneida Silverware. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you shitting me? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was one of my favorite facts of the week. It's all downhill from here. <clears throat> oh, wow. So... But there was a lot of other fire. There was like reformist fire. It was like abolitionists and feminist. Elizabeth Cady Stanton was from there. Frederick Douglass was around there. So, I mean, it was like all this, something about this area, they just like, just burned each other up. Anyway, so Kate and Maggie live in this kind of area. And when these are the Fox sisters who were the founders, supposedly, of modern spiritualism. When they were 14 and 11, it was like the end of March, and they told their mom 
that every night they'd been hearing these tapping sounds on the walls and the furniture in their rooms. And they thought that something was trying to communicate with them. And so they were like staying in the rooms then with their mom and she started hearing it. And then they pulled a neighbor in and did a demonstration and the neighbor heard it. And they would ask it questions that were like tap one for yes, tap two for no. And it would always answer. They could ask it like numerical questions. So, you know, it could tap five times or, you know, whatever. So it wasn't the raccoons in the fireplace. It was not the raccoons in the fireplace. (laughs) (laughs) Poor box fan Chad just had four raccoons evacuated from his fireplace. I'm sure he'll tell you about that later. (laughs) Um, So not long after this demonstration happened, the girls were sent to live with their older sister, Leah, who lived in Rochester, New York, which was still in this kind of same area. And Leia's fancy friends started asking her to bring her sisters along for demonstrations of the cool shit they could do. And so they would go to houses and do like seance circles and people would hear these tappings. And one of the girls would go into like kind of what looked like a trans-like state and communicate. And so their fame sort of spread. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole huge long story. If you look up the Fox sisters, it's it's a sad story ultimately with drinking problems and exploitation and poverty and all kinds of sad shit. Um, eventually, um, I don't remember exactly when this was, I think it was the 1870s. Maggie confessed in front of 2000 people that she and Kate were the ones who were making the rapping sounds by like cracking their knuckles and toes in ways that no one could see them doing, Hmm. which I was like, how <laughs> I know people who do that and I wouldn't mistake it for right a, a knocking noise or but, whatever. But then Harry Houdini was quoted as like he looked at their case and he was like, you know what? It's surprising when people have their eyes closed how hard it is for people to tell where auditory stimuli are coming from. Huh. So he would have somebody blindfolded and he would take two coins and tap them together right in front of the person's face and they would recognize that it was like far off to their left behind them. Oh, weird. So it's they were playing into like a normal physiological bias. Mm-hmm. And, um, but people had believed in these girls by this time so thoroughly and so wholeheartedly that they refused to believe this confession. And the spiritualist community, according to a lot of like sources, pressured Maggie into recanting her confession. And so there's, uh, they ended up like being ostracized from all these different communities and they lost everything. So it's a, it's a sad story, the Fox sisters, but back to Casadega, which is where we started. They were the start of this sort of modern spiritualist movement. And in the same area of New York, there was born a man called George Colby, who was also a spiritualist. He, most of his life, he believed that he could talk to spirits his very Baptist parents were very pissed about this. I imagine so. And they beat the shit out of him all the time. Oh, damn. So he eventually left home to be a traveling medium. And um, in the late 1800s, he's at a seance, and a spirit guide named Seneca tells him to start a spiritual community in Florida. It wasn't Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just sounded like, like I don't know, Seneca it's, Food Services or... <laughs> well, he was a Native American... I guess there's a Native American tribe, Seneca tribe, oh, okay. which I didn't actually know that. I, I don't know, yeah, I recognize the name. But this guy, his, I guess the spirit guide's name was that. Anyways, so right. he tells him to start a spiritualist community in Florida. It's not like it's like at the pyramid scheme of spiritualists. So he, uh, George 
marches down to central Florida in 1875. This was all, a whole bunch of this was undeveloped land Mm -hmm. at the time. And I'm just, God, having lived in central Florida, I'm trying to picture this. Seneca has told him to go near Blue Springs, Florida on high pine hills overlooking a chain of silvery lakes. Well, I mean, if you know Florida, you know, you can find lakes and chains everywhere. But Blue Springs at the time was like a very small settlement with just like some clapboard houses thrown together. They didn't have room for him. So when he got there, it said there was a a weird U.S. article that said Colby's party had to stay in a makeshift palmetto hut to await further instructions from Seneca once they got there. And oh, my God, I was thinking of like trying to um, don't don't tell me that. Don't tell me that computer. I was thinking of staying anywhere in Florida that didn't have air conditioning for one thing, but I was also like swampy ass Florida where there's not any development at all in a hut. Mosquitoes. Hello. Yellow fever. No shit. Like, you know why palmetto bugs are called palmetto bugs? It's because they they hide under the leaves of the palmetto tree, which is what this hut is made of. I was, I just itched just like even imagining this experience because I just, Oh, he had to be like covered in bug bites and terror, you know? So it said, weird US, the article said, late one night in faint light of a kerosene lamp, the party was contacted by Seneca again with orders to go east to the outskirts of the village and find the seven hills, and that will be the place. So the next morning, they basically had to machete chop their way through jungle-ass Florida And they found finally seven pine covered hills and they saw lakes and they were like, this is the place. So as soon as they start setting up homesteads and as soon as they do, they, they start getting visits from mediums in Casadega, New York, which is where there's like a spiritual camp nearby. So that's where the name comes from. He just kind of named it the other Casadega. Mm -hmm. And so by the time Colby gets the charter for the land and starts an actual camp, he's already got the name and he's already got a whole bunch of people coming down. Mm -hmm. So in 1894, he officially started the Southern Caladega Spiritualist Camp Meeting Association. Oh, wow. That sounds official. Just like seven or eight words strung together. Mm -hmm. He was pretty sick when he got there. Imagine. I don't know why. Right. But he said that the water on the property healed him from sickness and (laughs) <laughs> I wish you could see what I see right now. Like one eye of Patrice's one eye just like dropped to a slit. And she's like, um, um, it's supposed to be, the area is supposed to be like on an energy vortex where the veil between the spiritual and the material is like thin. So that's, okay. that's one of their things. So they start running ads in the twenties in Northern newspapers, inviting mediums and spiritualists to come down and relocate. And so by the 1920s, Casadega is like a full-on settlement, lots of people, nation's main center of spiritualism. Mm-hmm. And they build houses, they practice there, they hold seances, they hold hearings, hearings, healings, <laughs> healings. <laughs> and um, there were actually, there were lots of people in the South in this time, you know, like I said, late 1800s, like 1894, they actually officially started the camp this is not that long after the civil war right everybody has lost somebody Mm -hmm. everybody's broken Mm -hmm. everybody's missing everybody's suffering so believe it or not you know in this extremely christian religious pentecostal society there were a lot of people who were like clamoring for these services because they're like please just let me talk to him again right yeah Yeah. and so it, it kind of boomed in popularity for a while because people just wanted to have that closure. Nobody ever got it. Right. 
So, um, but as the popularity grew, all the kind of Christian Pat Robertsons of the time started having their say. Locals would visit and say that it was a place of witchcraft and wickedness, devil worship. They started rumors. There's like what they call, and this is what the camp calls a spirit pond behind the the church that they have on the camp and i was like well you did name it that i mean right but um they there were rumors that they were dumping bodies from ritual sacrifices in the Mm. spirit pond um there were a group of religious fanatics came well they said religious fanatics i was like just people (laughs) probably (laughs) came and protested outside the temple during services one week a guy came and just hauled like a giant ass cross down the street one week um and they started saying, saying that the devil lived in Casadega. Mm. And a legend sprung up around this nearby graveyard. It's at Lake Helen, which is, it's not one of the silver chain of, well, maybe it is one of the silver chain of lakes. It's right on the outskirts of the camp area, Lake Helen is. And there's a cemetery with a big brick chair there. And it looks like, <laughs> I did pictures of it. It actually looks like the makeshift grill barbecue that like the people who owned my house before me had built on the back of the porch. It's just like a big brick throne. Ah, yeah. Um, and folks started calling it the devil's chair. Oh, okay. and they'd say there was this one guy who said, if you sit in the chair at midnight, the devil will talk to you. Um, he really said he teach you guitar lessons. Right. I know. Exactly. <laughs> there were others that said, if you had the balls to sit in the chair, the devil would come see you, but only if you would sit in the chair mm-hmm. and most, because most people won't do it right, right when they get, whether they believe or not, you know, right. they get there at midnight and they ain't going to sit in the damn chair. Right. So they, people say that they hear voices in their heads near the chair or they see like shadowy figures moving so they won't get in it. And th- somebody said, if you put a can of beer on the grave next to the chair, it will be empty by the morning, but the top was never popped. And I was like, wow, how, wow. <laughs> yeah. um, so it, what this really was, is what they called a morning chair, was they used to build them in cemeteries because the poor widower who had his wife buried there wanted to not have to stand the entire time he went to right. visit her. Like, or that's what it was. sit on the ground and get eaten up by fire ants. Exactly. Why would you sit on the ground in Florida? Right. So um, this, was, this was what it actually was. But because people were intent on thinking that Casadega was a horrible place, this, mm-hmm. this whole other legend kind of sprung up on the outskirts. Um, it has to be true. I know. It has to be true. Everybody says it. Right. So the camp celebrates its 125th birthday this year. It oh, is wow. still in action. It is National Historic Register um, was put on there in 1991. Um, there's a bookstore. There's a temple. There's a post office. And um, so I started looking at this and I was like, I don't actually really know what spiritualism would mean like I said all this stuff just now and I'm Mm -hmm. like I don't think I could define it myself if I really wanted to so like the camps uh why am I my brain just flew away in some other direction the camps literature Mm -hmm. says that spiritualism is a science philosophy and religion based on the principle of continual life demonstrated through mediumship Which I I guess sort of makes sense. So there's life after death. It's not necessarily heaven. People can still communicate. That sounds like what it is. Right. Um, And according to the camp, a person becomes certified to be a medium or a healer. Training can take four to six years. And this has been a point of contention in Casadega. Because there's a road that goes down the middle of town. And on one side is the land that George Colby originally bought for the camp. And on the other side is all privately owned land, including the Casadega Hotel, 
which was built pretty early on. It burned down, I think, in the late 20s and then got completely rebuilt. But it's it's privately owned. And everything on this side is privately owned. So, But both sides have signs up offering readings and healings and mediums and all this kind of stuff. So the folks in camp can be a little bit snippy about the folks on the other side of the street. Oh, imagine that. It's like when the New Age movement got really big, mm-hmm. people started moving more and more and more in and using this, you know, buying this or renting this private land on the other side to you know, I'm part of this too, right? but they're not part of the association. Like they're, they don't have to follow the bylaws and they don't have to be right. certified and they don't have to follow and the to rules. And to outsiders, they don't, they wouldn't know the difference. It doesn't look any different at all. It right. looks like you're going through the main street and on both sides, because why would the Casadega hotel not be related to Casadega? Right. Um, so there's, um, the people on the campsite of the street don't all want to be lumped in with like the tarot readers and psychics on the other side. And is there was this Vice article. This was the first article I found on it after my friend recommended this story to me. <laughs> that I came away thinking it was like the sharks and the jets on either side of the road, like snapping and attacking each mm-hmm. other, like in song and dance. <laughs> and um, snappy fingers. Or like that there was going to be like a, a, like a shootout, like... Okay, crap. Yeah, <laughs> because it was all about kind of this... The people on the the right side were very stoic and c- kind of formal about their religion, according to this guy, very this author. Serious. Yes, and the other side was kind of unfortunate. I mean, what I generally think of when I think of mediums. readers and mediums and stuff, like kind of people flaky. that you might be, yeah, you might think <laughs> a little, little out flaky, there. yeah, something like that. But Those fun, might be words. yeah, right. And so, um, I guess it's under I. I was thinking, like, I guess it's understandable that the camp would, like, be tight about this whole certification issue because they do call it, like, they call it a religion, Mm -hmm. you know, and they consider it part. They have religious services at this temple that they have on campus at the camp, and it's just, it's a lot like a Christian service or an Orthodox service, but there's always, like, a demonstration of mediumship or the continuity of life like they're what they call it messages that they have during every service and they do hands-on healing which is not really unlike pentecostals right but you know it's he the guy that was interviewed in this usa today article said it was a bit more extreme but didn't Mm. specify what that meant Mm. but it is part of a religion according to their view right or either they're just wanting the tax write off well and there's that because it is they (laughs) do have one you know and so like and it's also the women, you know, even the, they talk about these Fox sisters mm-hmm. when they do tours of Casadega. Right. But these women even were frauds. I mean, were self-proclaimed frauds. Right. And there are a whole bunch of people who work in this line of business who are frauds. Right. And that was rampant in the turn of the century. Right. Like people being exposed as frauds like stealing people's money as mediums. That was a huge, because there were so many of them traveling mm-hmm. around the country and lots of them got exposed. Mm-hmm. So they're, I understand why they're a little tight about their Keep reputation. It, right, keeping it away from supposed. Uh, yeah, they're trying but, to, uh, yeah. yeah. But they're also trying to keep the peace because they do live right across the street from all these people. Mm-hmm. So um, they're, anyway, on the camp side, they, they do thousands of private readings a year. So it's still popular enough. People do still go to do all this. And, um, you know, they, there was stuff talks about different styles of medium. Like, even though they're certified, they don't require them to do things a certain way. So, there was somebody who will like touch a photograph and talk to people about what 
what was happening in the photograph without looking at it. They would touch the back of the photograph and mm -hmm. tell a story about what was in it. Um, there were people who like would commune with spirits and do drawings of what they saw or, you know, there were people who do trances and there were people who just hear things and don't see things. So there was all kinds of different ways that people do things, mm -hmm. but there's an article or a, a book that was like, I guess a collection of essays called this Casadega, the South's oldest spiritual community. And the editor Gary Monroe said that 85% of the people that have readings done there find them incredibly specific and accurate. And that's on the campsite. So I just, it was funny, like almost all the articles about it started with skeptics having readings, like, mm -hmm. cause it's just, I guess as a writer, it's what you're going to do. I found articles from Bitter Southerner, Weird US, USA Today. Um, I mean, just a litany. I've got like seven different links to give you on mm -hmm. this piece, but um, it's all, it's like, I'm going to go and get a reading and it, you can, t some of them do it at the camp and some of it do it at the hotel across the street, which they do all their readings upstairs and the, the housing part of it is downstairs. And it's like, you can tell if the author buys it, then it comes away sounding real. Mm -hmm. But if the author doesn't, it comes away sounding like bunk. Like that's the way it's going to always work. Mm -hmm. So is one of those, like, if you want to know for yourself, I guess you go down to Casadega and you get a reading done. And Maybe one on yourself. each side of the street and right. see how they compare. compare it, right. But yeah, so that's Casadega, Florida. It is open for you to go. So find out. Wow. That's it. Good story. Yeah, ish. Let's take a break. Our favorite place to go when we're in Alabama's drink. capital, whether it's to do a show, to visit a dilapidated movie set, or to flip off the governor's mansion. <laughs> so I was talking to James, and he was telling me that the Goat House highlights local artists, singer-songwriters, makers, chefs, brewers, and entrepreneurs of all types, just like the Strange South, mm -hmm. big supporter. They intentionally support only original content because they believe that communities begin, grow, and sustain when creatives and entrepreneurs thrive. It's a great atmosphere, great company, and a lot of fun. And it's less than 10 minutes from Hank Williams' grave, which is haunted. So next time you go to say hi to old Hank, stop by the Goat House Beer Garden. Okay. So... Ever since I found the Thomas Jefferson UFO, UFO. oh my god, yes, I'm, I've been like keep. I was like, there's got to be others like this, and if not, I'm gonna start making them up, <laughs> posting them on creepy pasta, right? <laughs> start a little writing career, um, right? Like um, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, you know? Yes, <sighs> because it's just so fascinating to me. Like mm -hmm. I never knew anything like this, and. And this, I didn't know. I'm sure, of course, I kind of live under a rock as well. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not all hip to like as much pop culture or, you know, going into like, I haven't seen all the scary movies or watched all the different alien shows. I mean, I pretty much know nothing um, over the past 15 years, you know, if it's been out and published. So y'all probably way more than I do. But I came across this, and I couldn't resist. And this is the Christopher Columbus UFO and the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, my God. So I'm totally claiming the Bermuda Triangle as Southern folklore. <laughs> there, I said it. Go ahead and make a space for it in the library. It's done. Awesome. But... 
I just like, how can you resist this? So there, Christopher Columbus did like an original log of like his travels when the king and queen of Spain sent him off to discover new land, right? Mm-hmm. And those personal the official log and his personal diary did not. Um, it was like lost. Oh. However, the original ones. However, there was this guy named Bartholomew. Bartholomew. <laughs> Y'all. Okay. Bartholomew. Bart. We're going to call him Bart. Bart. So Bart. Black Bart. Bart de la Casa. Bart uh, of the house. Bart. <laughs> this Casa. This is Casa. Oh, wait, how do you spell it? C A S A S. Cass- oh, Cassus. Cassus. Thank you. Bart of the houses. Bart. Oh, there you go. Bart of the houses. Um, his father and uncle traveled with Columbus. And then when Columbus came back, uh, he gave him like his log and his personal diaries to edit down to publish. Oh, okay. So he was basically the editor. So we don't have the originals, but we have from Bart's accounts some things, freaky shit that happened. Mm-hmm. So... One of the things that he wrote down um, that's kind of interesting is that Columbus spent a lot of his time lying to his people in the boats <laughs> because okay. uh, his crew, because, you know, he's setting off to this new land that's supposedly there, but he <laughs> didn't know how long it would take him or if it was actually there. And instead of having, like, mutiny, like, after a while, if you're on the sea and there's supposed to be land somewhere, but this doesn't start showing up, the morale tanks. Yeah. So he started, like, <laughs> he started, like, telling his crew people, he's like, oh, uh, no, we really didn't go that far. You said that we went, like, you know, ten leagues? No, nah, we only went five leagues. So he, like, started lying about exactly how far that they would travel so that apparently it didn't seem that they were on the ship and going as far as they actually were going. Oh my God. So it was a little crazy like psychology that he was like pulling on his crewmates (laughs) so that they wouldn't mutiny against him. But on Sunday, (laughs) September 15th, 1492, um, they had sailed all day and night. On the ocean blue. On the ocean blue. Um, like 27 leagues. Now, 27 leagues from the fuck what? I don't know. <laughs> but there was like, it. 27 leagues is like 93 miles. So from wherever point they started from, 93 miles from that, uh, they saw this huge branch of like fire falling from the sky into the ocean. Oh, and, of course, they recorded that, didn't really know what the fuck that was. But, I mean, we can kind of attribute that. This probably was, like, meteor or shooting star or aliens, you know, <laughs> whichever flavor you want to go with there. So that happened. And then, like, two days later, they're traveling. And we're thinking, like, this is around the Florida area. So they were near Florida. Weren't quite there yet, but they were, like, kind of near Florida. And um, a couple of days later, their compass started acting wonky. Oh. So anytime that they needed to get their bearings, they would always like set their compass to the North Star. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a thing people that do sea stuff do, right? (laughs) 
but for whatever reason, the compass was more west pointing. Like it wasn't pointing where it was supposed to be, like where they expected it to point. Mm-hmm. And again, like the crew, which were already on eggshells, you know, kind of weary, were like, what the fuck is <laughs> happening? Where are you taking us? Because what they thought, where they thought they were and were going the last point, like, didn't correlate with, you know, like, what the compass was saying, like, mm. the actual direction. So it went kind of wonky. And then they tested it the next day, and it straightened itself up. So there was, like, this weird shit, like, that happening. It was an energy vortex. And then, well, very could have well been. But mm-hmm. he, and he just, I forgot what how he explained it, but Columbus was like, ah, you know, just, <laughs> you know, need like eyeglasses. A- you know, you just didn't read it right kind of thing. The fault um, is on you. The fault is on <laughs> you. You just, you know, these things happen. No big deal. So, like, three weeks later... They were they were looking for land at this point, and I don't know why. Like the land fairy told them to look for land, but they were the like, land fairy. <laughs> they <laughs> saw one of the um, guy on the Pinta uh, saw like something that looked like a long white candle out above the waves, and then it dipped down, and then it went back up. And so they were like, what the fuck is that? And he like told the admiral or whatever of the ship and the admiral saw it and they were trying to show other people, but then it kind of went away and they're like, what the fuck is that? And the admiral, I mean, they're on a time schedule. It's like the king and queen of Spain are like, where's our fucking land? You need to report to us that you've seen land. And so the admiral is like, well, this must mean that there's land because there's a light. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I think they reported back to the king and queen. And that was like, you know, sighting of land and hurrah, the land is ours and whatever. (laughs) Um, But it was it was weird that the way that they described it and a lot of people who are very much UFO um, proactive. <laughs> proponents? Proponents for I am a proponent UFOs. Of UFO. um, the way that they talked about it because uh, of the way that the light dipped and then, you know, it was, seemed like it was moving. They said, well, and there was no land really to be seen that this was some other phenomenon. And some say UFO, some say it was like the gas ball that we talked about. Oh, uh, yeah. The Will of the Wisps kind of stuff. Psychosis. Because they were pretty close to land, and I think they discovered land maybe like four weeks later. Oh, I've got the song Candle in the Water stuck in my head. Do you know that song? From <sighs> no, Dragon? I don't, but that sounds it's very much... It's a Ready song. It's a good song. Yeah. It's, it's not it's, a good song. It very much sounds like what this was. So... By what they were reporting and what we know from the log um, that was edited by Bart, hmm. uh, it seems pretty much that this area where the light and the fire in the sky and the weird uh, compass readings was the Bermuda Triangle. Oh, my God. And so the Bermuda Triangle is, you know, basically a, a mythological or a mythic section of the Atlantic Ocean that roughly is bounded by Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. And just a bunch of strange shit has, like, happened, which made the fr- uh, 
you know, made us coin the term. And actually the person that coined the term, let me see if I can find his name real quick. Bum, bum, bum. His name was Vincent Gaddis. And he coined the term in 1964 uh, after three passenger planes went down uh, after having said an all well or having sent an all wells message there. So, oh. like, yeah, all of this shit. So that happened like back in the 60s where, you know, Bermuda Triangle was basically given a name as the what the fuck triangle. <laughs> it's also known as really the, the appropriate name. Right. <laughs> what the fuck? Right. It's also known as the devil's triangle because everything that we don't know anything about belongs seems, to the devil. It belongs to the devil. So that was kind of the first weirdness attributed to Bermuda Triangle. Back in 1909, the first person who ever sailed solo around the globe. Um, his name was Joshua Slocum. Not related to Mrs. Slocum or other being served. <laughs> but um, Joshua Slocum, you know, he traveled around the world, did his thing, and then he was going to go from Martha's Vineyard to South America and just disappeared, like, you know, vanished. So he proposedly went through the area of the Bermuda Triangle, and that's where they they attribute his death to that area. Hmm. Also, uh, kind of a weird fact, that William Shakespeare's play, The Tempest, um has some scholars claiming that it was based on a real-life Bermuda shipwreck. Oh, wow. So that's kind of interesting. I did not know that. that. So after, you know, Joshua Slocum disappeared, it was like a couple of years later, maybe 10 years later or so, that the USS Cyclops um, launched like March 19th, uh, 1980, what the fuck, 1918, yeah. sorry, dyslexic, and uh, the, cy- the Cyclops was like a 542 feet long naval cargo ship. It had over 300 men in it and just tons of whatever the fuck magnanese is, because <laughs> I don't know what that is. I Maybe it's like something that goes boom i didn't look it up i forgot to look it up but it's that's one of the things it had a shit ton of magnanese on board i'm on it i'm looking it up okay so anyway it disappeared between barbados and chesapeake bay um and it never sent out a distress signal there was no wreckage to be found and so people attribute that tragic uh, loss of ship to the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, in 1941, so 30 years later, some other ships that they call the sister ships of the Cyclops uh, vanished without a trace on the exact same route. And, uh, of course, that route took them through the Bermuda Triangle and nothing was ever found. Or if they did find something, it was abandoned. There was, like, nobody in it. Hmm. So just weird shit. Probably the most famous, though, of the Bermuda Triangle that we have actually on record and that's well documented was Flight 19. 
And Flight 19, it's actually referenced in Strange oh, not strange Encounters. Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, uh, uh, Close Encounters. Close, close Encounters. That's a Strange Encounters. <laughs> of the Stranger 14th, Things. Right, 14th <laughs> kind. No, um, it, they actually like reference this in that movie. But Flight 19 happened in 1945. Um, they, I guess, took off about two that afternoon and what it was it was like four tbm avenger torpedo bombers and they were doing like this routine exercise and uh it took about like the exercise took about three hours and they went from the coast of florida to a place called hens and chicken shoals (laughs) (laughs) just what they called it and then it went north uh, to the Grand Bahama Island and then southwest back to Florida. So it actually was a literal triangle that they were doing this exercise with. And everything was fine. Um, like the people that were flying. So there was five um, planes. There was three crewmen per plane. So it was about 15 people. All of them had like tons of time and air. Several of them were World War II, you know, tried and true uh, uh, fighter pilot people. So it wasn't like there was any newbie out there, um, you know, doing this. So that everything was fine. They went down to um, <clears throat> their first little trek to the hen and chicken islands, um, shoals, whatever. And... That all went to plan. And then the next thing they knew, somebody, like one of the uh, the lead dudes, his compass started to malfunction. Mm. And um, and the, he, he thought the planes were flying in the wrong direction. And he started like talking like over air about this. And I don't know if like the signal didn't get back. I don't know what technology was like back in the 40s, right? Like, the signal didn't get back to Florida, Mm -hmm. but there was, like, a naval flight instructor that was flying nearby that picked up the signal, and he, um, or the radio communication, and he contacted the, uh, you know, Avengers and asked if they needed assistance, and then he contacted the air station to kind of let them know what was up. There was, like, some strange stuff. They were, like, giving strange readings. They were sounded like they were confused. Um, and they sounded like, like their compasses had gone out, and they had no way of telling direction. Uh, one of the things that the guy reported when he was, like, talking on air, he was saying, I'm over land, but it's broken. I think I'm in the Keys, like Florida Keys, hmm. which is on the other side of Florida from where they, they took off. And so... It was just really weird, like, the information that they were getting back. And then they just suddenly disappeared. And so at 7.30 that night, a PBM Mariner, which was a flying boat, took off. A what? what? A flying boat. You know, the boats that can land, the, the airplanes that can land on water. Oh. They're called flying boats. Oh, weird. You've seen that, right? I don't think so. So. Like they land on a carrier ship? No, they land on the water. You've seen uh, Fantasy Island where they would like, Like, the the plane, plane, the plane, plane. and it would like land (laughs) on the water. 
It's funny because I know that like shtick, but I don't think I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they do that. I had no idea. Yeah, they got like little skis or something. So when they land in the water, they just skim across. Weird. Mm-hmm. So they took off looking for, uh, you know, the five planes that went missing. And soon after, they lost communication with one. There was two planes, two of the boat planes that went off, and they lost communication with one. Holy crap. And they don't know what happened. Um, So they, yeah. Hold on. (laughs) Afterwards, like after they lost one of the rescue planes there, the Naval dispatched more than 300 boats and aircrafts to look for Flight 19 and the missing Mariner. Mariner. They never found bodies. They never found debris. They have no idea what happened to them. Um, all, they had, like, the planes actually had, like, this rescue radio frequency that they could, like, turn on, receivers that they could turn on that would let them somehow... Um, lead them back to the Navy radio towers where they could like find their way back home, but they were turned on, but they were never used, which is kind of a weird thing. Mm. Uh, and then, so they disappeared without a trace and, and it's basically the file was like, they don't know what happened to it. It was like an unsolved case. In 1991, a group of treasure hunters thought that they had found, um, those planes, those exact planes, because they found an underwater grave of World War II era Avengers, which is what these planes were, mm-hmm. near Fort Lauderdale, which was exactly kind of the area. But it turned out that the numbers on the planes and the serial numbers were not, they didn't match. So it wasn't that group of planes. Huh. So to this day, we do not know whatever happened to Flight uh, 19. And like I said, like this was documented or this was, you know, they attribute it like with the Bermuda Triangle, obviously, because it was in that area. And a lot of people, you know, talk about maybe it was like UFOs took them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy whose grandfather did, was it the Burlitz books of language? Like you get the little Burlitz book, book of, um, like French, and you like learned how like to say phrases, phrases like, yeah. like how to go to the bathroom in French. You know <laughs> how to go to the bathroom. <laughs> how do French? I go to the bathroom in French? <laughs> the day. So, um, so his grandson actually in seventy four wrote a book taking on like the legend of the Bermuda Triangle, which was you know coined like ten years earlier, and wrote this uh, bestseller at the time of the legend. And his whole, like, premise was, it was, like, the Bermuda Triangle is, like, a portal to Atlantis. Oh. Which is, like, the missing city that supposedly existed, but now nobody can find. Was he serious? (sighs) Who knows? (laughs) But, you know, the disappearance and things, the weird shit that happens in, in, um in the Bermuda Triangle has all been attributed to like aliens, Atlantis, sea monsters, time warps, reverse gravity fields, um, magnetic anomalies, water spouts, huge eruptions of methane gas, 
Um, <laughs> earth farts. Earth farts, <laughs> among other things. So, you know, to this day, we still don't really know, like, why this area has accumulated this many unknowns. Um, but I'm sure it has to do with Florida. Florida has just leaked its weirdness to the Bermuda Triangle. We say this with all love. Like, by the time this comes out, Florida may have just gotten slammed by a serious hurricane. I know. So bad. So we do love you. We do love you, Florida. Stay weird. Um, But, yeah, it's interesting that you did Florida, and then I'm doing kind of off the shores of Florida. I've been always curious about the Bermuda Triangle, because I always thought, like, I guess it's that I feel like we've mapped everything. It's it's one of those it's one of those it's kind like, of why haven't we figured this yes, shit out? We know all the things. Right. Like, how we could have we technology. not know this? We yeah. have the power. Uh, if you stay tuned and join our uh, Patreon page, you can go to our website to find the page, the link to the page, and it's just $3 a month for our after talk. Stay tuned to the after talk, and I will talk about theories Ooh. about what what is actually happening in the Bermuda Triangle. Ooh, I can't wait. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank and you. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Ooh, 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 after talk. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out our website, thestrangesouth.com. All our social media links are there. And for extra fun and goodies, join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast. And if you love us so much that you want to support what we do and get bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes photos and videos, please consider joining our Patreon, 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 at www.patreon.com slash thestrangesouth.